Hey, welcome to Bulls Gold here on Nothing But Net Radio, part of Dash Radio. I'm Edward Schuler. Joined as always by Salim Sudawala. Salim, how's it going this weekend? It's going great. Uh, weekend, another, I always say lazy weekend and a long line of lazy weekends, but yeah, going well. Uh, Bulls obviously haven't been too well since post All-Star. Mm. We've had a couple of losses here, tough losses. The first one was obviously tough with Philly. And then yesterday, or the day before yesterday, I should say, yeah. um, it was it was a bad, you know, couple of minutes in the fourth quarter where the, the kind of the you know wheels fell off, and that lineup that Billy had out there with like the young guys and and Val, that kind of just kind of spiraled out of control and. Then they ended up losing. Yeah, two losses, two teams missing key players, uh, especially the Philadelphia game where they were missing Embiid and Simmons. And uh, those losses are, are leading to some lineup changes that are going to happen in the game against Toronto. So it, it's going to be really interesting. And I, I think it's necessary, right? Because we've been talking for a while about how it's tough to play all of these young players together at the same time because everyone's still trying to figure it out and everyone's making mistakes at the same time. But when you put all of these veterans in the lineup, especially around players like Zach Levine, it helps a lot. And this team with their starting lineup has just been getting killed in the first quarter, typically against, especially against like really good teams. Yeah, it's it, that that's, that's been the trend all season. You have the starters Starting off slow, that thing they were like combined with negative seventeen on that rating, yeah. And then the veterans come in with Thad. You know, you had Temple Sato when he came back. They come in and bring the the Bulls back in with Zach in the lineup because he tends to be in the entire fourth quarter. And then yeah, from there and then it just kind of like a up and down battle. And I think it comes down to Billy also managing his rotations better. So hopefully this switch can maybe get us to that, Mm. get them to get a little more uh, overlapping some of these, mixing these young guys with vets too. So uh, we'll see, you know, how that turns out as well. Yeah, no doubt. It's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out uh, this game and going forward. And we're going to get into that a little later, but we're going to do something a little different on today's Bulls goal. We have some Bulls fans joining us to talk about the team, talk about the current season and get into some fun stuff, too. So uh, joining us on today's Bulls Gold, we have Daniel, Jordan, Vincent and Michael. And uh, we're going to go around. We got a lot of people on the show, so. I'm I'm open to some chaos on this show, and it's going to be real fun. But uh, let's start with Michael. Uh, introduce yourself and uh, tell me how you became a Bulls fan. Oh, hello. I'm Michael. Uh, uh, I mainly be, like became just a Chicago sports fan in general because of my family and my dad, especially. Um, but and luckily, I started getting more into sports around you know seventh grade, and that's you know when. Uh, the Bulls de- uh, drafted Derek. So it was kind of like a perfect time to like really get into basketball. I was like pretty aware of the team beforehand, um, listening and watching, but that was kind of like when I really got into the team. Hmm. How about you, Vince? So uh, my, my, my story is a little funny. Um, I, I grew up a soccer fan, right? So when I was like a kid, Soccer's my thing, right? And then uh, my mom took like we're gonna we're gonna do some like you know intramural soccer stuff. And my mom took a look at the shoes and she was like, "Nope, 
no, you're not, you, you're not playing soccer. And she saw the spikes, <laughs> right? And she's like, you're going to F up your leg real bad. Uh, so you, why don't you play basketball? Because <laughs> uh, she was like, oh, basketball is going to make you taller. So she actually forced me to go play basketball. I hated, I hated basketball when I was a kid. And uh, that's when the what that's when the Bulls were starting to do their uh, their. That was the end of the third, uh, the first repeat, right? Um, and then '93, I rolled around. They went again, and I'm like, everybody in Chicago was doing the huge on the Bulls. And then Michael comes back. So that that's when I became a fan. Was when. In between the, when Michael was playing baseball that, and then while we're watching Space Jam, that's when I became a, a huge Bulls fan. And I mean, since then, I've still been, I still been a huge fan since then. I, I guess it's like a, a loyalty thing. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we've all stuck around through some uh, really tough times, uh, especially the post-Dynasty years that were uh, really, really dark. But uh, I mean, hopefully we get back to just the excitement one day. And it feels like this season has turned a little bit. Uh, turn the corner a little bit. Uh, Jordan, how about you? How'd you become a Wolves fan? Yeah, man. For me, um, definitely D Rose. Cause yeah. for me, I uh I grew up playing basketball. Like I thought I was gonna go to the NBA like a lot of kids, obviously. So I never really watched um basketball ever. You know, my dad was always trying to tell me, you need to sit down and watch Kobe, you need to sit down and watch the game and learn so you can um add on to your game. And I had never really seen anybody that would catch my interest as a kid. But, you know, I played basketball um, in the suburbs, western suburbs, and on the south side of Chicago. And so D. Rose at the time was killing it at Simeon. And I remember just I wanted to see how he would transit to the NBA. The, the rest is history with D. Rose, man. Like the way he played the game, to me, he truly epitomized how we play ball in the city. Like you, you grew up not calling fouls. You grow up you know, going to the lane aggressive and he brought all that to the league. So for me, um, yeah, ever since then, bro, I was just very loyal to the Bulls all because of D Rose. And when they traded him, Ooh. it killed me. And when he got injured and, you know, you see the fans, uh, you know, criticizing him and just pretty much destroying his reputation. That's, that was pretty much my worst moment as a Bulls fan, but D Rose is the reason I got into the Bulls. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty interesting that now we're to the point where so many fans, so many Bulls fans have grown up on Derrick Rose. And I remember I think I was like 17 when the Bulls won the draft lottery and got him. And that was just such an exciting day. So it's it's really great to see just the impact that he's had on so many Bulls fans, uh, just present and past and even uh, going forward in the future. Uh, Daniel, how about you? How did you become a Bulls fan? Um, I just realized I've been a Bulls fan for like 30 years now. So it's been a while. I might be the oldest one in this group. I'm 37. <laughs> but uh, I had a friend who, you know, I started playing basketball with when I was real young. And he was a Jordan fan. And, you know, I'm from New York. So most people are Knicks fans, which I don't associate with those guys too much these days. But, uh, um, you know, it showed me come fly with me and Michael Jordan's playground and all these videos. And pretty soon after, you know, I'm out there trying to do those moves and, you know, it was the perfect time to become a fan. Cause I was able to witness the, you know, the dynasty mm. and uh, I can pretty much remember all of this still, which is cool. So um, yeah, it's been ever since then. And then, you know, lived through the early two thousands Tyson and 
Eddie and Jamal and there's just been a lot of different eras and uh, I'm still here, you know, so it's up and down, but you know, it's the loyalty thing. Like Vincent said, um, I think I'm too loyal, but I love this team. I think we, we could be headed back in the right direction. So I'm excited about it. Don't feel too bad, Dan. I, I'm, I'm the same. Age, so I'm, I, <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> people don't realize that thing just because I'm I'm, I'm very immature. So right, that's people, too, people yeah. think like I'm probably like you know like tw- like 19, 20 years old because that's like the level of my maturity. So. No, I thought you guys were mostly around the same age, but like you know, we all like to joke around and stuff, and and that's good. It keeps you young. No one says because because you have kids and you're older that you got to be boring. You know what I mean? So yeah, no, for sure, for sure. All right. I mean, speaking of youth, I mean, you mentioned Tyson Chandler and Eddie Curry and those post dynasty years had so many games of mental mistakes and uh, just oh. players trying to just get used to like it, it, it's just a new era of Bulls basketball. Right. Where just so many high picks, so many mistakes, so many rough times. And it, it went from like 99 to 2004, where we basically just kind of wiped the slate clean. And then we had like Gordon Heinrich dang and a bunch of others and we got to the playoffs uh but we're, we're kind of going through a similar thing now right we have Patrick Williams we have Wendell Carter Jr. Kobe White Lowry Markin and a, a lot of young players who make mistakes and it Billy Donovan this season has had the challenge of trying to develop them and also trying to win games with the proven players like Zach Levine like that young uh, Garrett Temple, Tomas Sadoransky. So it, it's been really conflicting trying to balance both of those things. And as I mentioned at the top, there's going to be some lineup changes in the game against Toronto. Wendell Carter Jr. and Kobe White expected to come off the bench. So I, I'm going to start with you, uh, Jordan. What do you think about how the season has been going in terms of the development with the young players? And what do you uh, what do you think about the decision to move these players to the bench? You know, I, I think it's a really good um, decision because that's the biggest knock on Donovan so far to me. It has really been the adjustments. And I remember um, on Twitter, you know, when we signed him, um, a lot of OKC fans, it was kind of, it was bittersweet. Like they were upset. A lot of fans were upset. And you had some fans saying like, thank God, get him out of here. His adjustments suck. And I feel like the biggest thing with me is uh, the defense. Like, I don't understand why we continue to run with the same sets if they're not working at the drop. But I guess that also comes down to our personnel. So it's it's not totally on him. But, um, yeah, man, the biggest thing to me has definitely been the coaching and the vets. Um, Garrett Temple definitely – he, he's starting to irritate me a little because I've noticed, I'm, I'm sure you guys have two on the fast breaks. He he got tunnel vision. He ain't passing that ball. Like, and that kind of surprised me because he seems like a very cerebral player, but um, I don't know. I just, I, I'm looking more forward to next year. Cause as I've said, since we signed all these guys, this year is really about evaluation. Mm-hmm. And I think we were so ready to improve that we keep forgetting that. So I don't stress on the losses. I think, we built a very good foundation and we've seen what needs to change. And I think that change will indeed come uh, this off season for sure. Vince, how about yourself? What are your thoughts on this season with the core? And then obviously changes coming up. Uh, well, 
I don't know. It's 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 a tough it's a tough thing to say because uh, with these with this new lineup change, right? Because you're you're worried that like what what's this going to do to the psyche of these like players that you kind of gassed up at the beginning of the season, right? You, you so Wendell, you you're like at the beginning of the season, you're like, hey, Wendell's going to be a huge part of the season. He's going to be a huge part of the offense. We're going to rely on him. He's he's our defensive anchor, and now you know. Now halfway through the season, right after, like exactly halfway through the season, you get you get the All Star break. Uh, you're, you're benching him, right? And you're you're kind of propping up. Uh, I mean, that that's a great player, but you know he he's been kind of the the bench specialist, so what you will. And you're you're kind of propping him up because you want to see what if if he can help you with Lowry. And uh, I don't know, it, it's it's a tough balancing act, I think. The the thing I know about this this team right now is that we got the right coach. I think I think Billy Donovan's the right coach for this team. Mm. But right now, I'm not sure if the players are the, the right players. Uh, if, if, if that makes any sense. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's been it's been up and down. You, you have your roller coasters with uh, especially with Kobe uh, with his uh, defense and with his shooting. And uh, the only co- the only real consistent thing you have is co- the coaching and Zach Levine. And that, that's kind of where I'm at with it so far. Yeah, you make a you make a good point about it, it's we don't necessarily have the right players, but we've seen flashes of how Karnishevis and Donovan want this team to play, how they want the rotations to be, how they want the lineups to be. And once they can get the right players in going forward, we expect better results. Daniel, how do you see this playing out with the uh with Wendell Carter and Kobe White going to the bench, do you think that they're going to that they're going to embrace it and play with a chip on their shoulder, or do you expect ultimately more of the same? Um, I think Kobe will definitely uh, use it to his advantage because he can get back into kind of doing the things that he likes to do, uh, getting in there, putting up some buckets quick, uh, playmaking when he needs to. But I think Sato will take a lot of that off him, and uh, it'll probably be be good for him to come in. We've been saying that for a while. Um, you know, he can, he's gotten better at the playmaking, but he still needs to, to bring it up a notch with his decision-making with his handles, um, you know, with the turnovers and stuff like that, like dude can score. We love to see it. And, uh, you know, with Wendell, we just hope it doesn't kill his confidence even more. Hopefully it can, you know, help him regain some confidence going against bench guys um, getting some buckets, giving them some time to like think about it, and uh, you know they'll still get the same amount of minutes. So I'm not mad about it. Um, but I think something need to happen. I've been thinking since yesterday when I heard about that. Like we've needed more balance between youth and young offense and defense. There's so many things that like it's just disjointed, and the rotations have been weird since everyone's been back. Hopefully, this will give everyone an opportunity to kind of like ease back into it um, and kind of spread stuff out and just create more, you know, balance between the team. Yeah. I think you make a good point with Kobe, especially because he knows that role from last season. So that's kind of a, it's a natural like a switch for him. And again, getting more back to just focusing on coming in and just being that spark plug off the bench as a scorer. It'll be interesting on Wendell. I'm personally hoping that, he takes this as a challenge and kind of like takes it personally, like the meme with Jordan, 
you know, I took this personally and he kind of just comes out and whatever it does, maybe snaps him out of it, hopefully, and gets back to being that aggressive Wendell that we saw in his rookie season. So we'll, we'll see, you know, how how all that comes out. Michael, how about yourself? How do you, have you seen this season so far with the core and then with the changes that are going to be coming up that with the lineup? Uh, so far, I've been pretty happy with the core. Uh, coming into the season, I was like drinking the Kool-Aid after that first week. I was like, uh, maybe I was getting a tad too excited. But I mean, for the most part, whatever I thought would happen has for the most part. You know, it seems like Laurie's kind of like, has he really taken the step forward? In a sense, yes, because I feel like he's been better offensively. But that's not really where he needed to improve to fit this team more. Obviously, I didn't expect a zach to be this great but um and then kobe's been kind of not really the you know primary ball handler we need which i think i like the bench move for him and maybe um not having him attached to zach as much will help you know because like there's times where i'm watching kobe it's like he's almost just as dominant as zach not as consistently but it's like it's just like anything he throws up it looks like it's going in so maybe separating him and zach will work out wendell i'm maybe more nervous on the benching just because he seems to be more of a mental player, but he, he's been pretty open about how um, he needs to be more aggressive. So I think he, you probably could assume that was coming up. Uh, so, so far I'm pretty happy. The, the close losses don't really hurt me that much when, when they get blown out by teams, you know, that they should be beaten like these uh, last two, I guess the heat wasn't too much, but still like it kind of, it's like, you know, I was hoping they would take another step forward post all-star break. And because uh, I really want to see them, you know, make it to the playoffs somehow. But yeah, so far, I've been pretty happy and really happy with Donovan. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for me, this season hasn't been about wins and losses, even though the Bulls even getting to a point where they were just like, I think, a half game out of a fifth seed at one point was phenomenal. So, like, that's just kind of icing on the cake. But it, it really is just about finding out about who works and who doesn't, what works at what position and what doesn't, who can be a long-term piece and who can't. So hopefully this is something that, you know, someone like Wendell Carter Jr., who I think can fit with this team long-term, I really hope that he's going to take this in stride. And when the news initially came out, he was the first one I thought about because it's always like, we talked about it so many times where Wendell, it just seems like he internalizes and he can't move on from a mistake. If he makes a mistake, it lingers in his play throughout the game and maybe even the next game. Like he just needs to find ways to just play basketball because he's got a lot of skill. So hopefully he really does take this in stride. But if he doesn't, then the Bulls could slide down the standings even more. And right now the Bulls uh, sit at 11th in the Eastern Conference, they are tied for Potemcy with the Toronto Raptors, but it, it really is going to be interesting to see if they can either get into that playoff mix again or if they continue to slide back down the Eastern Conference ladder. So I'm going to start with uh, I'm going to start with Daniel on this one. What do you think about? Well, it's not really a direction I, I think, but what do you think about the Bulls? being in the mix to actually go for a playoff spot in terms of, I guess, when you think about the trade deadline, there are always buyers and sellers and the Bulls have been in the mix to a point where they could be a buyer to improve the team. So do you think they are in a position where they should be trying to go for a playoff spot? Or do you think they should be in a position where 
they're just saying, hey, let's develop talent. Let's continue to evaluate. And, you know, if we lose games, so be it. Sell off some veterans and just prioritize the future. Yeah, I think it can be kind of a mix of both things because we're right there anyway. Um, He's trying to mix up things with the lineup, like you said. But like, you know, that game versus Detroit, he did the same thing with the lineup, like put a little bit more vets in the lineup and and kind of space things out a little bit. So as far as the rest of the season goes, like I'm sick of not being in the playoffs. I'm sick of for years watching games that don't matter. Um, it's not going to give us that much lower of a pick if we, you know, make the playing game. So I would love to see these guys make the playoffs, whether that's, you know, shuffling a couple guys in or out, uh, trading someone, whatever. I think the real test is going to be what happens after this season. Um, anything up until there, if we can bring in someone good, great, you know, like rather than letting Lowry walk for nothing, if we could get someone for him before then, you know, I, I'm the biggest Lowry stand in the group. Like I I'm always, you know, sticking up for that dude where I can, uh, sometimes he makes it impossible to, but you know, it's, it just depends what's up there and what's, what's out there and uh, who's available. And I trust AK and, and Billy and, you know, Eversley to make the right decision there. I think it can be both things. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Lowry. I think I find it interesting overall that if if they value him so much, I find it was odd that they were that you know that four million million dollars on an average apart. But if they value him so much, I would figure that they would want to get an extension done. So I'm I'm thinking that they're still probably trying to move him. I think it just his injury kind of screwed that up. So we'll see what happens in this like next 10 days with the trade deadline and see what shuffling this they do with the roster. Uh, Jordan, how about yourself? What do you, how do you view this push for the playoffs or the playing game and what maybe you'd like to see them do as, as we're getting close to the trade deadline? Yeah. So for me um, with this team, I think it's really been interesting to see that, like you guys have said, like we've been right there. We've been a like a game and a half away from the fifth seed. So the playoffs don't concern me. I feel like if any year was the year where we should not be so upset about losing because you can get a, a good guy in the draft, it's this year. Because as we've seen already, this roster as constructed has been playing um, above expectations. So I feel like if you run it back with a couple of the guys from this team, um, next year and we don't make the playoffs this year we definitely would make the playoffs next year if you get a good guy in the lottery I mean not in the lottery in the draft as well as um, maybe a couple of trades or just picking up guys in the offseason this year because like I said man we're, we're winning games with people like Denzel out there and like I said Garrett Temple he, he's a good guy for the energy of the team but I mean you can upgrade him skill wise easily you know what I mean and I'm sorry Dan I, I know Larry's your boy, but like I'm saying, man, if we're, if we're winning games with guys like Larry who only really give you one average to good aspect of the game, which is putting the ball in the basket, but really nothing else, imagine next year when you replace a guy like Larry with a more versatile player. And like you guys have also been saying once again, you see who um, Akme and Billy want on this team. You want versatile players. So I just feel like, I'm fine when we lose games this year because this draft is deep and free agency. Um, maybe we don't get a star, but we can get multiple versatile players. And I think we'll make the playoffs a hundred percent next year. It's, 
it's almost guaranteed in my book. So mm-hmm. I think we can't go wrong either way we look at it. Yeah, Lowry is someone who uh, his his regression for like his first two like after his uh, rookie season for years two and three. It, it was really sad because we had a lot of high expectations, and this year he's been shooting the ball really well. But as you mentioned, we just we we don't see a whole lot of impact anywhere else. Like in the game against uh, Philadelphia, he went seven for seven from three, had twenty three points, but. You didn't really get much else, get much anything uh, anywhere else. You didn't get much no. defensively, not much rebounding. It, it, his rebounding has regressed significantly, <laughs> and, and that's been one thing. I, I think if he was rebounding the ball at a little higher level, maybe you could start to get behind a significant deal more. But that's declines to the point where if Lowry gets four, five, or six boards, that's about what he's getting on average for the most part. So, I mean, that's been really sad to see uh, from my view. Michael, what do you think about what the Bulls can potentially do at the trade deadline? Should they be trying to move veterans? Should be they be trying to uh, sell for the future? Or should they just stay in this and continue to add parts, players who could possibly be here long term? Uh, I could see it both ways in a sense. I like they shouldn't be giving up any like serious picks or anything like buying like that. Mm. I also just don't want to see them sell as well, especially when you see like, you know, who's really the most valuable piece of the veterans, probably Thad, you know, with how uh, good he's been this year. But with the relationship him and Zach have, like I'm more concerned right now, like with keeping Zach happy, extending him, you know, in the future future keeping him around you know it would be cool to make the playoffs personally just because i want to see how um different young players and and including zach in this since i don't think he's made the playoffs ever um even with minnesota so like how do how do they react in a playoff series you know that's what i would like to see so really in that case the only person who i wouldn't mind them moving from would be larry even though i do really like him as well and hopefully bringing on, you know, another point guard because I don't really want to see too much like Archdiacono or anything like that, you know, so maybe Lonzo. I feel like that's really the only name that's been thrown around so much at this point is Lonzo. But, you know, it'd be fun. It'd be cool. And, you know, I think you learn more of having Lonzo with this team than having Laurie with this team at this point. Yeah, again, with the Laurie, it, with Laurie, again, it's it'll be interesting what they do come the next 10 days and again yeah the playoff push it's it's nice and important to try to get these guys maybe a guy like zach a taste of a uh, competitive basketball so again it's important to try to make him convince him to want to extend maybe this offseason as opposed to waiting to go into free agency because you never know what happens in free agency you want Zach, a guy like zach who's a star now to want to stay here and then maybe attract different stars to come here. So that's going to be important as well to make sure Zach is happy. Uh, Vince, how about yourself? Have you, uh, what have you thought about uh, as far as the direction of going for the playoffs? And then again, like you said, you know, with this trade line trade deadline coming up. Well, uh, it's, it's kind of funny. I think, I think you, Bulls fans actually win either way. It, because this is this this draft currently coming up is like considered a very very deep draft or very good draft. And it's actually got a lot of players that would help a Bulls team uh, that's 
desperate for wings. I mean, our best wing right now is Garrett Temple, right? Our best defensive wing right now is Garrett Temple. Uh, it was like 34 and on a minimal contract, right? So there, there's some there's some future pieces out there, even if you miss the playoffs, that are gonna that are gonna co- help contribute to the future really well. And I think I think making the playoffs is really important right now uh, because if you have you need to see what the players react to in the in and the in the bright lights. So, like we said, this year is an evaluation year, right? What how, your evaluation is going to be quite incomplete if you don't make the playoffs. Like you're not going to know what these guys are, and then you're going to have to extend them. You're going to have to extend Lowry your next year. You're going to have to extend Wendell year after that. You're going to have to extend Kobe. And how can you extend these players without even knowing how they look at the playoffs? Because that that's ultimately what the goal is, right? You're trying to you're trying to build a contender, and they can look great in the regular season, but if they if they don't show up in the playoffs, or is it even worth even worth the trouble trying to develop them? So these are things like you you kind of you kind of want to get them to the playoffs. But if they don't make it, like us as Bulls fans, we shouldn't fret too much because there's some really good players coming up in the next draft. And I know it's gonna, it feels like, oh, man, we're just kicking the can down the road, accumulating all these young guys. And we, maybe we should be selling our picks and trying to get like a, 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 a really good vet player to come in and make a playoff push. But for the most part, I see the Bulls kind of just standing pat because – as AK said, I think he even outlined it up that, hey, there's there's a lot of people uh, that are wanting to buy and there's not many sellers. Everyone has delusions of making the playoffs because, you know, there, there's like 10 spots, right? Uh, you got the play-in game and then you can you can jump into the eighth spot and get that playoff random revenue, right? So, and it also validates the coaching staff, right? If you, if you go from a team that like a, a perennial lotto team and then keeping the same exact players, and you, you go into into the playoffs. That that makes you guys look like a great like uh, free agent spot next year when when you have a bunch of cap room. So making the playoffs is very important, I feel like, to, for the Bulls. Um, and it, that's unfortunate because it looks like it's, it's going to be a tough task because they're so bad against good teams that it, it's actually going to be very difficult. To, and the the second half of the schedule is going to be very difficult for them to to make the playoffs. So. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, you you all mentioned just how valuable it is for this team to make the playoffs because none of them, the young players, haven't experienced that, and it's an environment that can make all of them better and help their development and really just get things clicking and far as far as what they need to do uh, in the off season to really start reaching their potential. And you talk about Zach Levine as well, who is playing at a ridiculous level. And it helps in making sure that he stays uh, long term. So th- there are so many different benefits of that. So I-, I bring that up to ask all of you this. What we've seen this season, even though there have been some low points, there have been some struggles. It- it's been really encouraging what we've seen. We've seen practical coaching. We've seen pretty solid coaching from Billy Donovan. We've seen rotations and basketball styles that have worked. We've seen encouraging things from Patrick Williams. Kobe White has had his moments sometimes. Wendell is a little, you know, he goes through stretches sometimes as well where he starts to get it. But overall, we've seen some very encouraging basketball and it's a reason to be optimistic about what this team can do uh, going forward. And I think so many Bulls fans really want to see this team 
really start to live up to being the Chicago Bulls again, really start living up to being a big market franchise that can, you know, one day even make a big free agent splash or even acquire a really big name through trade. So uh, let me let me start with uh, Michael on this one and we'll, we'll go around on a scale of one to ten right now. How optimistic are you about the future of this Bulls team? Um, I think for the most part, probably like a, a seven or an eight, I trust like the front office make the right decisions, which I haven't been able to say for almost any Chicago front office for the most part in a while, you know, at least that I'm a fan of. And uh, the only issue I could possibly see is just that, you know, it, for the most part, superstar wise, we're starting to see the free agency classes kind of get sucked dry with just all these extensions coming up. And if we're picking later in the draft, then, you know, the lottery, it's kind of the odds of us getting a, really high caliber like star player drop lower that would be the only thing that has me concerned but even then you know I I think this front office would pull the trigger and make the make a trade for a superstar if there's no one available in free agency and the time is right yeah I think you you kind of touch on the confidence of a front office obviously Bulls fans lost complete confidence in Garn packs I think most Bulls fans lost complete confidence in Garfat Garpax, I should say. And AK, I think you kind of see what he did in Denver, so you feel like okay, maybe he would be able to replicate that here. So that's definitely a good point as far as going forward with the confidence angle. Uh Daniel, I'll go to you next. How about yourself? How do you feel going forward and with this organization and and I know you mentioned earlier that you feel like the error is pointing up, but uh, how do you feel as far as what AK and Mark Eversley will be able to do going forward? Well, I'd give it probably like a seven or eight. I'm actually really uh, happy with the direction. Um, you can have a lot of good or bad luck either way, but like, I think Billy, the way he's like, you know, bringing guys up, propping them up, holding them accountable at the same time, he could make almost any group uh, play well and be confident in the, in, you know, different ways. So um, I think the front office will make good decisions. We do need a little luck in there. That always helps, but uh, I'm confident, like no matter how it goes, they're not going to get duped by another team to make a bad deal. They're not going to sign a guy to a contract that's way above his, you know, production. And so, you know, if we can get some good draft, uh, you know, luck and, just keep developing the guys we have and switch some guys out, get more two-way players in there, um, you know, more shooters. And I, I think that's what they're trying to do ultimately. And uh, I think, you know, I think we'll get there. If not like this coming season, it'll probably inch its way up, you know, for the next couple of years and uh, they'll get the most out of whoever they have here. Yeah. I always felt like when the draft happened, I felt like, Drafting Patrick Williams was the signal of the direction that Arturis Karnishevis and Mark Eversley wanted to go with this team, finding versatile, athletic, two-way players. And we've seen the impact that Patrick Williams can have, uh, especially as a four, where I, I think that's going to be his best long-term fit with the Bulls. But the fact that he can absolutely slide over to the three if need be is phenomenal, too. And who knows? Maybe he could play a little small ball five in the future. Uh, we'll see, but I, I feel like that's such a good thing to see that this front office gets where the NBA is heading and they're actu actually uh, executing that. 
Jordan, what do you think about the direction the team is going on a scale of one to ten? How optimistic are you? Man, I'm at a ten oh, because, All right. like I've said, man, we're we're right there. It's there's just a couple adjustments that have to be made, and I just to circle back um, to what we started off with, like the lineup changes. It's all about adjustments, and I feel like the foundation and the attitude is there. Now you just kind of have to rework the personnel and the staff and and the players that you have. And once again, as Celine pointed out, what AK did in Denver is very encouraging. Now we have to remember that also took about maybe three years, three or four years for that to click. And I think that we're at a better start now than they were when he, you know, was uh, making that change with them. And Wendell comes to mind uh, for me the most because you look at a guy like that. And defense is huge for me. Like defense is the biggest part of the game. And I think with Wendell, he prides himself on his defense and he gets so down on himself. He's so misunderstood here because fans all attack him for being this, you know, horrible rim protector and he's not good on defense. But it's it's because he's trying to play goddamn five, pardon my language. He's <laughs> trying to play five positions on defense. So when you when you take this team and you move Kobe to the bench and next year, Maybe you bring in some some better wing defenders. Now you unlock Wendell's confidence, maybe. You know, you unlock the corner pieces and the cornerstones that you have here with just little, little small adjustments. And I think all that takes is time and repetition. So for me, I'm at a 10 because, like I said, if we're, we're doing this well with people like Archie Diacono playing, Valentine, Laurie, because he's one-dimensional, um, Garrett Temples, uh, Luke Cornett, Jesus Christ, Daniel Gafford, you know what I mean? Once you start to make just little tiny adjustments with the core that we already have, and you have like one of the best young shooting guards in the league was Zach Levine, in my opinion. So once we just, you know, tweak, tweak the roster a little bit, um, I, I think we'll be really good, man. I'm, I'm patient. I, I'm at a 10 with it. Yeah, definitely. I think you make a good point with Wendell. Uh, a lot of times fans – kind of blame him for a lot of the points and the paint that happened. I know we've, we've seen times when not even in a fast break, just the opposing team inbounding the ball and guys like Kobe and Pat, Pat being a rookie, but Kobe, they kind of get lost in the cross match and they don't communicate to pick up their guy or, you know, have somebody cover for them or they, when, when a switch happens, they're not communicating and then, you see Wendell trying to stop the ball, and then his guy gets the easy dunk, and everyone's like, oh, that guy, the center got the easy dunk. What, what was Wendell doing? And he kind of – people miss – like don't understand what's happening out there sometimes, it seems like, and people just pile on him. So I think that probably affects Wendell as well because he seems to maybe be a guy that is maybe read some of the comments that – maybe go on social media or, or just gets down on himself when those type of things tend to happen for sure. Hmm. Yeah, no doubt, man. And I just feel like, like I said, man, if with him, it's, it's all, it's, he has really bad confidence, but if you can replace, you know, some of the problems that he's dealing with on the perimeter and, you know, he's not doing as much to recover and rotate and he can really be Wendell. You know what I mean? That I think we have like something there with him for sure. So it's just all about little roster adjustments with this team, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 
what's what's happening with Wendell right now? I've been a big advocate of him and just seeing him kind of like go through these rough spots has really been disappointing for me. And but I, I still feel like he can be a really good player. Like I, I don't see top five or top ten center, but I, I see a guy that can at least impact both sides of the ball is still kind of underutilized as a passer in some ways as well. And we really need to, oh, he really needs to really work on that jump shot because if he can knock down that shot consistently, I think that's just going to unlock so much of his game on offense and it's going to unlock some confidence as well. And then that could open up more opportunities for him as a passer. So he, he's still young. Like when was what, 21 still, right? Like, I don't even think he's 22 or 23. Like he, came in as a freshman uh, from Duke. So there's still plenty of time for him to develop as a player. And uh, again, hopefully he embraces uh, this new role coming off the bench uh, really well. Uh, Who who didn't I ask already about, uh, about the, uh, about how optimistic they are uh, going forward? Uh, I think Vince, Vince, I asked you yet. Um, I mean, yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, oh yeah, okay. Sense, <laughs> Sorry about uh, that. So, so how no, are you no, feeling? No, 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 no. There's, there's like five people on here. Kind of get but, lost uh, in the. Yeah, yeah no, man. This is, this is, this is, like, this is a, this is a, this is chaos. Right well, well, I knew you were going to say something bad about Wendell, so I told uh, Edward to cut you off. So, no. <laughs> okay, that's 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 crazy. You know, I am, I have been. Uh, I've been slandered as a you know Wendell hater. I am not a Wendell hater. I like Wendell. I was I was excited for the pick when we when we got him. Right. Uh, I wanted like a two way center. Uh, I even I I said crazy stuff like, hey, this guy is going to be better than DeAndre Ayton. He could he could be he's going to be he's going to be better than Mo Bamba. Well, the Mo Bamba thing, you know, whatever. But <laughs> with DeAndre Ayton and. Uh, I, I, I fully believe in uh, Wendell Carter Jr. I um, I just don't think he's the kind of guy that people wanted him here for, right? I wanted him to be more of a dominant defensive center, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's what I just want. I want a smart cerebral defensive center that's going to ab- be able to direct con- uh, direct uh, direct traffic on the defensive end and block shots at the rim. Remember when he first came out? came out in the Black Panther, you know, garb, and, like, everybody's calling Black Panther, and he's blocking shots left and right in preseason, blocking the shots left and right all throughout the season before he got hurt. And that's what I, that's the Wendell I want, right? I, I didn't care if he shot threes. I don't care if he's going to be Al Horford slinging the rock to open cutters everywhere. That, that, was, that wasn't necessarily what I thought he would be. I just wanted a, a super defensive center that's going to run the rim and finish at the rim and even when he gets fouled like a Gobert, Gobert shoots like 50% at the line, he's going to shoot like 80% at the line. I thought that's what we were getting. So like when I see, when I talk about my disappointment with Wendell, it's more on the defensive end. I want him to be a great center. I want him to be great on defense and and uh, dominate like a, like a, like a Gobert. But it's, it just hasn't happened yet. It's, it's disappointing. But going back to the question, I, I think it depends on what your expectations are of this team, right? Do you are you expecting a championship or are you expecting them to be competitive? Right. If 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 the if your expectations are a competitive team, you know, getting into the playoffs or for an annual playoff team, my my my, my optimism level is probably at a seven or eight, right? 
But if you're talking about a championship contender, a championship team, I I haven't seen it yet, right? I, I need to see more aggressive moves from the front office. I need to see more development from the players. I think we have a good coach, but even like Billy Donovan, right? He's he's had elite players and he hasn't gotten out of uh, uh gotten too far in, in the playoffs either. I mean he got into you know that series with Golden State when he had Durant and uh Westbrook and and, and they, they took him to seven games, but it, that was also a three one choke, right? Mm-hmm. So uh everyone everyone needs like uh in terms of like a championship team. I'm not sure. I'm, I'll probably say that's like above five, right? But if if I'm talking about like competitive team, like perennial uh, perennial playoff team, oh yeah, I think they're they're underway. They're like probably seven or eight, trying to get there. Um, and even they they might even get in this year, right? So yeah, I think I think optimism is just, is just based off of your expectations. I don't expect this team to be competing for champ. I'm not I'm not see red Fred. I'm not I'm not gonna expect this team to be in the championship <laughs> in two years, but uh, I, I think they're. I think it's. Not, I'm not a championship or bus kind of guy, so I, I just want. I just want competitive basketball. I want to see them compete and play meaningful, meaningful games, and not be in the lottery year after year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, for for me, and I, I think Salim too. Like, we just want to see entertaining basketball at some point. Like, yeah, sure, the Bulls haven't won a championship since 1998, but I mean, give me a. Give me a 50-win team. Give me a 45-win team that wins a first-round series or even wins a second-round series. Like, give me something like that every other year, and I'd be happy for the most part. Like, winning championships is ridiculously hard, and we got spoiled in the 90s by the greatest player that ever lived. But, you know, there really is value and excitement knowing that your team is going to at least make the playoffs every year. And And even though the John Paxson era didn't work out, like, the like first what like seven or eight years of that where we were like pretty much a consistent playoff team I was cool with that like that was fine it it was just we it 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 felt like we just kind of hit a wall and we just didn't have ways to get better so all of that just went straight downhill but yeah there there absolutely is a consistent value in making uh just being a playoff team each year and it feels like AK and Eversley can get us there one day so i'm feeling really optimistic about that so uh speaking of just trying to get back to like those good days having the great bulls moments as you always talk about and remember we're gonna go around to all of you and get your favorite and worst bulls moments that you've had as a fan so uh let's start with michael uh, so my favorite moments are probably going to be like way less dramatic than everyone else, just because uh, age wise, I didn't get to watch the dynasty. Uh, so uh, favorite, uh, I-, I lean in between, you know, pretty basic uh, Derek buzzer beater against the Cavs because I, uh, I held on to that core uh, probably a little too long than I should have. I-, I always thought I was like, uh, you know, they could do it. They could do it. And when he hit that buzzer beater, I'm like, Oh wait, I, I think they got this, you know, or, um, Nate Robinson, you know, in the net series was that game four. Now that, that's probably one of my favorite games I've got to watch ever. So that was a fun time. Um, I guess least favorite would be then, um, uh, LeBron supposed to be there in the same series, uh, against the, uh, Bulls, uh, Cavs Bulls series. Uh, um, cause then I was like, all right, never mind. This is actually done. They're not doing this, you know, and they look so bad for the most part after that. So I'd say, you know, and then, uh, Derek was traded not too long after, and it was kind of like, you know, 
they're kind of fun with Jimmy leading it, but you kind of knew that they were never going to, you know, win a championship, you know, until they tore it all down or, you know, just completely invested in Jimmy. Yeah, th- that series, we you thought that you'll finally get past LeBron. We had we had that you know glimmer of a hope. Maybe we got screwed a little bit by the refs. I think they uh, David Blatt had called the timeout when they didn't have timeout. It would have been a turnover instead. They got the ball back, and then that LeBron <laughs> game winner happens. Uh, but yeah, so that that was definitely a, a, a this the, probably the series that ended. Uh, that, that and it was it was the series that ended that core and essentially because then obviously they got rid of Tibbs and then everything else t- started to break down after that. Uh, Vince, we'll go to you next. How about you? How what would you say your favorite Bulls moment is and your least favorite Bulls moment? All right. Well, favorite Bulls moment. Uh, well, let's go. With- Okay, so I'll have I'll have two. All right, so one is when I'm a kid because like kids, those those kind of moments kind of stay with you as a as an adult. So I'm gonna go with uh, Jordan, the last shot. Right, I actually still have a poster uh, on my wall. Actually, I I, I made a a guest book for my wedding, and it's it's me hitting the last shot over my wife. So we had this, like, <laughs> I have the seconds on there. It's perfect too. Like the, the number of seconds and the crowd and everything. And that, and, and everybody signed their names at the crowd. So that was the, that was the, that was the, that was the guest book thing. And so the last shot that stays with you, right? Like that, that's forever. Like uh, winning a championship off, off of a, off of a, not a buzzer beater, but last second shot that that's crazy. Um, and then, uh, the the best moment that I've ever experienced in my life, and and in the in the stadium was uh, the Joe Kim Noah steal and dunk. I think I lost my mind when when that happened. I, I was in the I was at the game, you know, triple overtime with Boston, and this is when you know, hey, the Bulls are on the way up. The, the Bulls, the baby Bulls, are kind of growing up. They're they're, they're holding their own against, uh, even though they were without Garnett, but it's like a you know vet. Uh, playoff team and uh when joe jono grabs that ball uh from just snatches it from paul pierce runs down the floor like a guard like a like a gazelle dunks it on pierce getting his sixth foul oh man that, that was I, everyone lost their mind i think i think I, I i couldn't talk for a couple of days after that game so uh and uh worst moment i i jordan's gonna be completely shocked that this is gonna be my worst moment but uh worst moment for sure is uh the derrick rose knee injury uh like uh against against philly uh in the round one and uh yeah my heart sunk right like that's that was our guy that was our mvp and uh just seeing them going down in a heap you know like uh the the Simba, the Simba meme, <laughs> uh, and everything that had come after that. But I could, I couldn't, I couldn't even like talk for a whole day uh, at that time. I remember driving, hearing on the radio like uh, the diagnosis, and I, I shut down for the entire day. I was, I was so upset. And uh, and then another very, very low moment would also be uh, when they when they traded Jimmy. I was, I was at a bar. And I saw the so I was watching uh watching the draft and uh, saw the scrolling on the bottom. Jimmy Butler gets traded to 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 Minnesota for 
And they were actually making the pick right afterwards. And it was Lowry marketing. And I was like, oh, my goodness, we drafted the stiff. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, th- those are my two lowest moments. And uh, I- I'm sure everyone paints me out to be the uh, to the D-Rose hater. I was a huge D-Rose guy when I, when I was in college. And, uh, yeah, so that moment is by far the worst moment of my Bulls uh, fandom. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the two worst. Same for me. I I feel like uh, the D Rose moment. I remember just being like so sad that entire day. I felt like like there was I was trying to get some other stuff done. I just had no will to do anything. Like I would just like you know we we lost this budding superstar MVP, youngest MVP ever, and. I, at that moment, I felt like, you know, nothing will be the same for him again. And oddly, unfortunately, you know, I was right. I was just at that sunken spot with him getting hurt. And then, yeah, Jimmy, I think Vince and I are probably the easily by far the biggest Jimmy Butler fans out there. So, yeah, I, I absolutely hated the Jimmy Butler trade. And I still part of me, I so wish I, I have these like dreams of Zach and Jimmy playing on the same team. So. Yeah, I hated that Jimmy Butler trade. I the whole season when they were potentially talking about trading Jimmy, I I never wanted it to happen. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny because uh, when when the Jimmy Rose thing happened, that's when I that's when I realized life is fair. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that, that's one of those moments where uh, yeah, everyone remembers what they were doing, where they were at when that happened. I think I was like getting up from my chair to just like go do something else because like well this game is over and then all of a sudden you just hear yeah roses on the ground you're just like what (laughs) like it's just it's just insane how that changed and altered so many just so many potential great moments that we could have had with Derrick Rose like Salim said like it it changed the course of everything like that could have been that could have been a team that won a title at some point I mean you had Derrick Rose and Jimmy Butler young <laughs> and Jimmy Butler absolutely could have still become Jimmy Butler if Derrick Rose was in his prime and really really good so it's just it robbed us of so much and it's always going to be one of those big what if moments in uh sports uh Jordan what about you what are your favorite and worst Bulls moments yeah for me man like I said uh pretty much my favorite moments had to be the entire uh, D Rose MVP season, the entire Tom Thibodeau uh, era, almost. You know, when when we were, like you said, we weren't winning the championship, but we had like the best regular season record. And we, we even if you didn't ring, uh, win the ring every night, you knew we were bringing it. We were tough. You know, it started with the defense and the grit, and we come out there and we punch teams in the mouth. We we'd have games we'd be losing. You know what I mean? And we come back and we fight. And just so many D Rose game winners. I think I was really spoiled because, like I said, I didn't really sit down and really watch the game until um, D Rose got drafted, and so that was my first time watching the team. So those were like where my expectations are. So it gets hard to see this team we have now um, not play with that same fire. But they're young and they're learning, so you know we'll give them time. But for sure, my my most um, memorable moments come from D Rose's young years. Uh, before the injury and obviously as you guys have mentioned the worst moment for me I was at that game in the playoffs where he went down with the knee injury so bro my heart just went it sunk it sunk 
And it's going to sound really dramatic, but when D Rose was drafted is when I started my freshman year of high school. So it felt like I was growing up with him. So he got better. I got better. And when he went down on that injury, dude, it just, I was gutted. Absolutely gutted, man. I just felt like, like you guys said, you guys couldn't do anything, bro. Like I felt like I was in a crime, man. Like my favorite player is out for God knows how long. And he shouldn't even been in the game. I won't even add that in there. That's that's a whole other thing. But he shouldn't have been in the game. Now he's injured. It killed me. And um, to add on to that worst moment is when he was injured and you kind of saw the fans turn on him. And, you know, looking in hindsight, you know, you could see it's not as dramatic as it is now. But at the time, dude, like D. Rose was Chicago's savior. And he, everyone uh, was a huge Bulls fan and everyone loved the guy. And to see the whole city kind of turn on this kid that we we hailed as like our Superman, it kind of taught me about the world in a way. Like, hey, when you're winning, you're winning. And when you're losing, you're losing. Like, you're not going to have people on your back. You're not going to have people on your team. And it, it just kind of showed me, like Ben said, life ain't fair, man. Life is cold. And I'll never forget how the fans treated D. Rose when he got injured. And they were saying to trade him. So now when he's playing well again, I don't want him anywhere in Chicago. I want that man goddamn overseas if he has to be. Just don't come <laughs> back here and, and live your best life, D-Rose. Yeah. Uh, Rose was doing uh, load restriction or just, like, I guess that's what, like, he, he was doing all of that before it even became, like, a popular thing like if 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 a player tears their acl now and they decide to sit out the rest of the season or sit out an entire season it's not a story anymore but rose doing it became such a big story and then it didn't help that the front office just didn't really seem to do any any favors by it because they were they were putting stuff out there like yeah he's you know ready to go like he can play like he he's cleared you know he just doesn't want to do it so they were like creating that storyline almost like it was like a an episode of monday night raw or something yeah what kills me what kills me the most is that people seem to forget i'll never forget it because i remember telling my friend d rose played through a lot of injuries at Mm -hmm. the time like he used to have like a lot of little serious nagging injuries and he still go out there and play like i remember the reporters asked him after a game you know you i forgot what he injured but he would just say, hey, I need to be out there. I can, if I can play, I'm going to play. It was like Kobe-esque, you know, the, the Mamba mentality. D-Rose had that, you know what I mean? Like, he wanted to be great. And he fought through so many injuries for this team, which is why it absolutely killed me when he had an injury he couldn't play through. People just forget. And they were calling him, you know, paper knees, glass knees, all this stuff. It just shows you, man, how quick people forget things. Yeah, he had, like, a multiple different like injuries that that season he had uh he had turf toe he had the back injury and the back one was the wildest wildest one because he went out that game in milwaukee because he couldn't play because his back was hurting him and then he came back for some reason later uh and then like within like 10 seconds they took him back out because he couldn't even walk up the court it's like who the hell put him decided that he could come back in the game like that—that's when you were like, well, "This medical staff is trash." And then what is what's Tibbs doing? Like, this guy can't even walk up from the other one half of the court to the other, and and you're thinking he can go back out there to you know play a a, a battle in a, in a you know a competitive game. So that was a crazy part. And then he also had like some ankle injuries, everything compiled. So 
when Edward talks about load management, like let's say he could load manage and just sit out and not play and no one would have said anything. I think that's if he had that mentality from that moment, I think maybe you see him being able to save his you know health and not have to worry about messing up his knee. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's really crazy how like all of the views towards injuries and load management have evolved. And you mentioned uh, like Rose playing in games where he clearly shouldn't have. Like y'all remember that game where like I can't remember what game it was. It could have been a playoff game, but Joakim Noah his ankle like he couldn't even like he was like dragging his feet like foot up the court not even really running just like like he looked like someone who was just like why is he in a basketball game right now (laughs) why are they doing this it's just it's so many different things that our past uh like medical staff has somehow cleared and it just it just became almost like bulls culture at some point i I don't know it's just yeah definitely i think it was because it was a it was a john paxson thing i think i feel like he had that mentality of guys should just you know what's that old chris rock joke uh put some tussin on it you know (laughs) take that robot tussin and you'll be good to go you know it's like get that tussin in there (laughs) you know so i think john paxson has that old school mentality where guys just should go out there and just bow through injuries and i think that's what that culture was like for the bulls yeah I'm glad that's like done with for them, or seems to be done with for the most part. Uh, Daniel, how about you? What are your uh, uh, favorite and worst Bulls moments? Well, I had the exact you know same uh, moments with the with the Joe Kim dunk against the Celtics, um, and the shot by MJ in '98. So I guess I'll have to say the the shrug in '92 when Jordan was just hot hitting threes against Portland. Um, I remember being, you know, a kid, like, I think I was like nine and just flying out of my chair, falling on the ground, going nuts. It was a great moment. Like I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, and also I guess since all those other good ones are used, I got to, uh, yell at John Paxson at a game in Washington and, and thank him for his shots against, uh, the Lakers and the Suns, but also said, you know go ahead and step down if you don't want to do this anymore. And he looked at me and smiled. He was going to, we were sitting behind the bench. He was going to his seat. He went to the wrong section. He ended up having to walk across the row in front of me, like all the way across looking like an a-hole. And it was hilarious. And uh, my wife was mortified. I was a little drunk, but, and then he did, he stepped down. So you're welcome, everybody. Um, (laughs) We thank Dan. Hey, hey, I, you know, jokingly, I, I take credit for that. Obviously, that's, you know, not the case, but it's fun to fun to say. Um, and then the worst, I also had the, the D-Rose injury. I mean, I was sick. I literally was sick. Um, you know, that was everything back then. And it could have changed, you know, the last uh, six, seven years. We could have we could have been there again. But um, so that hurt. But I guess uh, I'll go further back and just say, um you know, uh, when MJ retired for the first time, went to play baseball, that crushed my, Mm. you know, 10 or 11 year old heart. Um, it was sad. It was very sad. So I'll, I'll go way back and say that since, uh, everyone, we all have the same, the same memories. So Mm. yeah, that's it. (laughs) Yeah. That was definitely sad for me too. I was just like, I'll like, so, so the first three Pete, I was, I was a fan sort of, um, I have vague memories of it. But I remember 
being a Jordan fan that at that 93 is when I probably really started getting into the Bulls. And I remember when Jordan retired, I was I was pretty sad. Um, I won't say the only reason I won't say it's my worst, just because like I said, I was just becoming a fan, so I wasn't like that passionate. I was still a little kid, like nine years old when was it, eight years old, nine years old when the Bulls won in '93, um, nine years old, something like that. So like, yeah, I was you know a little bit of a fan there. But then you know when when he came back, that I was pretty excited about that. That was really dope when I found out he was coming back, and I almost didn't believe people telling me that he was coming back. The facts came through and we all just got overjoyed. We got three more and then he came back again after that to Washington, which was weird, but fun also. So, yeah, yeah. I'm going to throw out some, uh, you guys have pretty much hit on all the big ones. Uh, I'll throw out some random ones. This one is really annoying for me. Uh, It's a worse moment, but it's probably not one of the worst moments in Bulls history. But you guys remember when Jarek Jack, tied his shoe during a, a game against the Bulls. Oh, yeah, that was... That love, still bugs me, like, crazy. <laughs> yeah, because that's just like... Like, you're letting a guy tie his shoe while you're losing by, like, what, 20-something? Like, I don't know. I, I felt like I didn't want to watch so another Bulls game. So disrespectful. Yeah, I, I did not yeah. want to watch another Bulls game that season after that. I was just like, okay, like, this is insane. That one still hurts. Uh... Another worse one, uh, the Kings collapse. When was that? I think the fourth quarter collapse. The Bulls were up by like 20-something, I think, maybe even more. I think, was Vinny the coach or Hoiberg was the coach? I can't remember. I think that was the Vinny. That was Vinny? Vinny one. Okay, that was Vinny, yeah. That one was really, really ugly. Uh, Those are two big ones for me. Uh, Favorite ones... I think I love Ben Gordon buzzer beaters. Ben Gordon used to be my favorite bull post dynasty until Derrick Rose game. But uh, the Ben Gordon shot against Boston was that game six. I think the the big ball shot. That's uh, that's one of my favorite for sure. And just the entire bull Celtics series. I think that's still one of the best playoff series that you'll ever see in uh, NBA history. And, uh, yeah, of course, when the Bulls won the lottery and drafted Derrick Rose, I mean, the alternative was we were we were talking about drafting like Brooke Lopez and DJ Augustine. So to go from that to Derrick Rose has changed a lot. <laughs> yeah, for me, I, I'll say this for me, uh, uh, another favorite moment. I saw so Joakim Noah. I, I always say this. Jimmy, Joakim Noah and MJ are tie for me as far as all-time favorite players for the Chicago Bulls. I just, all three of those guys, I, and I'll always absolutely just love. Obviously, there's other players that I love. I love Derek. I love, you know, guys like, uh, you know, Zach currently. I love uh, Kirk Heinrich. I love Ben Gordon. But, like, as far as just my favorite, those three are my favorite. So the best Joakim Noah moment ever for me is, I know, Vincent then brought up the dunk, but for me is that when he had planners fasciitis uh, against the Nets, game seven, after game six, he guarantees a win. He's like, you know what, we're not losing this series, and then goes into game seven on a, essentially one leg, and I think it was one, I can't remember if it was both feet he had it or just one foot, but I don't know, whatever it was, the man just had a monster game, 
will that team to win game seven, man. That was like, that's one of my favorite Joaquin Noah moments and just one of my favorite Bulls moments. Just the, the, how much he gave up for this franchise. And I always feel like, you know, there's guys like we talk about retiring jerseys. I know like Derek Rose gets bought up, but like Joaquin to me, man, you have to retire his jersey. Like that guy literally gave up his entire body for this franchise. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he was one of the best players in franchise histories. I think you have to honor guys like that. I don't know. I mean, they're probably not going to retire his jersey, but maybe they can build them some kind of sculpture or t- statue or something. That's all. That's really interesting as well. So we can we can wrap up on this. Uh, let, yeah. Let like, me. I'm sorry. I, I, Michael did have something that he wanted to mention. A funny moment that he had. Thought okay. Of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, there's two that I think deserve some recognition that people need to remember that these happen. One, not as funny, but the Marco Bellinelli, uh, the big balls taunt. I, I <laughs> yeah. love that so much. I show that to everyone. And another one uh, needs to be when Boozer low blow the ref. I think that needs to make rounds every single year. So you just remember that happened. I, just Boozer and Joe were just such like a, a funny combo on the court too. Just they're so fun. Boozer's yelling on the top of his lungs like every five seconds over every little thing. It, it made the games more enjoyable, even if I was like kind of upset about the signing at the time because I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to get Chris Bosch, who's actually one of my favorites at the time. I was like, oh, Bosch or Wade or LeBron. And it's like, no, it was Carlos Boozer. But, but, but at least he was funny, kind of made up for it. <laughs> it was always grab it, Joe. We out. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, uh, yeah. So let, let's wrap up on that. Uh, let's go around. We'll start with you, Jordan. Uh, who do you think? I mean, Celine mentioned Joe Kim Noah. A lot of people feel strongly about Derrick Rose. You could even go back in the past. Horace Grant, Norm Van Leer. Some of them mentioned Dennis Rodman as well. Who are players that you think the Bulls should retire their jersey? Because right now there are only four up there. For me, um, maybe it's Bulls bias. And like I said, I haven't seen the older years. I didn't start watching until uh, Thibodeau and D. Rose um, had their era. But Luol Deng, for sure. Um, you talk about a guy who gives his body for his team. I mean, that dude was playing 48 minutes some nights. You know what I mean? Uh, mm. I think our teams were, were the reasons you had things like uh, load management. I mean, we had guys out there. Looking like they're about to fall over every two seconds. So for sure, Lou All Dang um, and Joakim Noah for sure. I, I would retire Lou's number, but P. Willie got that now, so that's kind of tough to say. But for sure, Joakim Noah and uh, Dang is a close runner-up for me. Daniel, how about you? Who do you think should be retired? I agree with Noah for sure. Uh, get get D Rose up there and. Uh, I mean, I guess you could go back and say some other guys, but those are really the two that uh, like need it needs to happen. I actually I showed the guys I I made a comment to uh, Joe Kim Noah on Instagram the other day, and he actually responded to it. I said they gotta enjoy living your best life, enjoy it, whatever, and uh, said something like, uh, "But come back to Chicago soon, and hopefully they they know what's up and they retire your number." And he gave me some of the little hand emojis up. It was pretty dope. Oh, nice. Yeah, I I feel like. It's it's it seems like a slippery slope because you don't want to retire so many jerseys, but Noah is someone that I could definitely get behind because just because of his impact on the Bulls and what he meant 
just to the culture of those teams. And I feel like you do have to, you know, outside of Rose, who I think is just a completely different animal in terms of why you have to retire his jersey. But I think Noah represents the cultural reason why you retire his jerseys, his jersey for those uh, Bulls teams. Uh, Vincent, what do you think? Being the residential Rose hater, I guess, it's, it's kind of crazy for me to say this, but one needs to be retired. Like, People lose their shit whenever a new guy comes in the, on the team and like say, oh, I'll take number one because it's available. And then people shame them into not taking that number anymore. So one, 100% needs to be, that, that, that jersey just needs to be retired. Um, and as for Joe Kim, I, I, I would retire his number, but, I'm just, I, but it, it is, it is kind of 50-50 uh, kind of whether I think that, that jersey actually will get retired. Um, but just seeing how the fan base loves the guy, um, I, I, I could see it being retired. I, personally, one for me just has to be retired. Yeah. He, heroes have to be his, his jersey has to be retired. It has to be this big thing. He meant, he meant so much to the city. He meant that the era meant so much to, to everybody uh, as a Bulls fan. That, that just that just has to happen. What about you, Michael? How do you feel? Uh, so yeah, basically everyone we've touched on so far, uh, Lou, uh, Rose, Joe, I think they all, uh, I was actually, I agree, I agree with Jordan a lot that Dane gave his whole body to the Bulls. So like, I, I think he deserves some more recognition. He kind of like, it was just like after those Bulls careers kind of like didn't really get to do too much because how much he was hurt, you know, he's kind of didn't get to play much that anymore. Um, I think we need to obviously, uh, retire Felicio's number been great. Love him. <laughs> But uh, I think I think actually uh, uh interesting one uh maybe that could be discussed is maybe maybe twelve for Heinrich I I, I lean towards no but I think it's an interesting discussion just because like tenure alone just how long he was around but you know if I had to like go to bat for any of them I'd probably be Derek first and like Joe and Lou would probably be tied for me though like right there I think they deserve it as well Jordan did you have something else you wanted to say. Yeah, um, for sure. I think we should retire Jimmy's number. I mean, you, you talk about a guy who who started from the bottom, man. Like, Jimmy built himself into just this crazy good player. And, and the guy you see today, uh, he's only kept improving. But I think what he came in and did, um, nobody expected that out of him except people who were probably, you know, watching him since college. And even then, you wouldn't think he is what he is now. But I think Jimmy Butler is the epitome of, of hard work and perseverance and determination. Like, D. Rhodes is my favorite bull, but Jimmy is definitely my second. You know, him and him and Joaquin share that for me, and especially Butler. I feel like you should retire his jersey because of what he did for our culture. I didn't expect us to win a lot of games when D. Rhodes went down with that injury, and Jimmy just made himself. Uh, this winning uh, winning player. So I feel like we should definitely retire his number along with D Rose's and Joe Kames. Yeah, I think it's funny you mentioned that. Like, I, MJ is MJ. So, I mean, he's my favorite because, you know, greatest ever. And that just that. But, like, Joe Kim and Jimmy, those guys I gravitate towards is because they weren't supposed to be what they were. Nobody, like, when I remember when, when Joe Kim was drafted, I feel like 90% of this fan base hated that pick. Like everyone, like, oh, this guy, why the hell they take this guy? I wanted Spencer Halls, man. Yeah, a lot of people <laughs> wanted Spencer Halls, you know. And and I think Joe Keem, 
everyone will have you know, like the D Rose fans, the Jimmy fans, and you know people that hate Jimmy, people that hate D Rose for a reason. People are mixed on Luol Dang. People are mixed on Ben Gordon, Kirk Heinrich. I doubt that there's anyone that is mixed on Joakim. I think every Bulls fan just loves Joakim. Mm-hmm. It has to be. I can't think of somebody that like maybe you know. One person you'll find I didn't really care for joking, but I think like nine, like ninety nine point nine percent of Bulls fans, I think you you can come to a conclusion. Yeah, we like, uh, we like joking, man. Yeah, joking is a guy that we wanna, we 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 wanna roll with. So yeah, that's definitely it. And now I would say like you know the Bulls, yeah, they have a, a sort of a rich history, but more so with that nineties era with the with Jordan. I always felt like, you know, they're a little too stingy with these number retirements. I mean, we're not the Lakers. We're not the Celtics. You know, it's not like we have generations of greatness where, you know, every generation since like the 60s or whatever, we're winning championships, you know, over and over and over again. We had, like I said, Jordan and that's it. You know, we had that fun team back in. Obviously, none of us were there for it. But with Jerry Sloan, Norman Lear, obviously they honored Jerry Sloan and Bob Love, but you know they never honored Norman Lear. That probably crushed Norm that they never did that for him. And then obviously now when we have some of these teams, I think that Joaquin Rose, uh, Jimmy team in a sense is comparable to that old Jerry Sloan Norman Lear team that got to a conference finals, but you know just could never for one reason or another get over that hump. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point and. When we talk about like retiring a jersey, like you mentioned, we're not the Lakers or the Celtics, so you can't you can't sit there and be like, "Oh, he's not Magic, he's not Kobe, he's not Shaq, he's not Kareem, he's not you know etc." Like we can't sit here and compare everyone to what Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen did, and just having really good players who made some All Star teams and got us far at some point. Like I think that's I think that's acceptable. So. And and even then, like I, I think you can still make a case for Horace Grant at fifty four because he was the third best team. I mean, third best player on those title teams, and he did make an All Star team. He was a phenomenal defender. Like I think Horace Grant definitely has a beef to be retired up there. I, I don't know. Like it, it feels like there are at least. Uh, I mean, we've talked about Noah Rose, Butler, Dang, uh, Van Leer, Grant, Dennis, Dennis too, maybe Dennis. Then, like, yeah, yeah. He was a cultural phenomenon. Like, he was with the Bulls for a minute. And, I mean, not a minute, I should say. Probably, like, you know, passing by almost to us, to us, to us, uh, you know, just not really there, you know. Mm -hmm. So, and he kind of changed really everything that we did as a fan base. Like, you know, how we reacted to, to players and how we like you know adored them he was part of that so definitely yeah. i would say dennis could be a consideration yeah and i and i feel like more people recognize dennis on a national scale from his run on the bulls like yeah he, he had a longer run with the pistons and he won uh championships there too but when you think of dennis robin that image of him on the bulls and like all the crazy hairstyles for sure always sticks out and it, it's funny with dennis because his number, like, no one's ever going to wear 91 again. So it's one of those, like, it's not retired, but, I mean, come on. Who's going to wear, like, who's going to wear 91 one day? Like, like 
Luke Cornett's not switching his number midseason to 91, you know? So it's it's just one of those things where even if it doesn't happen, I, I still would want it. I would still want it up there for the most part. But this has been a great time talking to all of you guys. Let's go around and we're gonna uh we're gonna wrap up this uh show of Bulls Gold. Let's go around and get uh everyone's social media, give it to our listeners and uh let them know where you can follow you at. Yeah, you guys can find me on Twitter, um at Jordan Guilty. I'm not really posting anything worth reading, but you know, if you ever want to just follow another Bulls fan to share the uh the Steve Red Nation with you at Jordan Guilty on Twitter, Instagram, and come in the Bulls HQ Discord. I'll leave it at that. Uh, actually, I, I already forgot my handle, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> you can follow me at uh, it's not a foodie at Instagram.com. I don't know. I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I'm also on the Discord uh, with uh, with Jordan and Salim and Edward and, uh, and Danny. Um, we we have a good old time there. I saved all of this material there. I don't really, don't really uh, tweet that much anyways. But uh, yeah. Join the Discord. It's a lot of fun. Nice. Uh, yeah, uh, my Twitter is at DuckSensual with three L's. I don't tweet too, too much. You're more likely going to find me popping up in a group chat just saying some dumb stuff or spreading the good word of uh, Big Chris. Um, trying to get into the Discord. We'll see how that works out. You know, whoever joins, they'll, they'll get an update eventually if I'm in there. Yeah, we'll see you there, Mike. But uh, I'm D Boy Foy. I'm pretty much everything D B O Y F O I, and like them, I don't, I don't say too much. I usually just make dumb comments. But uh, I wanted to say to Edward, I love the the intro music. Whenever there's Gangstar, I get hyped <laughs> up for the episode. Man, it's great stuff. Salim already told me that was that was you, or I'd thank him for it too. But thanks for having me on. Uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, no doubt. Always trying to, always trying to keep it fly with the music when we, uh, when we start Bulls Gold. Got to keep it, got to keep it at a good beat there. Uh, Salim, any final thoughts before we wrap up? No, no final thoughts. Hopefully, uh, you know, actually, I do have final thoughts. I just said I don't. Uh, I always just want to thank all the listeners. Obviously, always love the support from Vince, Jordan, Mike, uh, Dan. You know, you guys listen to us. You don't have to, but you do. Uh, we're just a couple of, you know, nobody's, you know, just giving our, you know, two cents on the Bulls and we were always appreciate it. You know, ironically, we did this episode and we recently reached uh, 50,000 downloads on on our, our pod side. So it was very, um, you know, it, it's touching. Like, you know, I feel like, man, there's people that actually care, you know, what we have to say and care about, you know, when we try to get good guests on to you know, get, you know, outside perspective as well. So uh, really appreciate everyone rocking with us. And yeah, um, hopefully we can keep doing these episodes going forward and get more good content out. Yeah, absolutely. Shout out all Bulls fans. Shout out all our, all of our listeners. And uh, yeah, thanks to uh, Daniel, Jordan, uh, Michael and Vincent. This has been great. Love talking to you. Good change of pace too. Like it's just always good, like interacting with Bulls fans and, uh, seeing how everybody feels about the team and it's just great that everyone is optimistic about wherever team is going and it's just it's just such a stark contrast from where we were like say a year or two like people are actually excited people are tuning in the Bulls games consistently and not because they feel like they're doing it just out of a sense of you know I have to watch this game it's just like we like this team we like watching the players on this team and it's just been really fun 
this season. So yeah, again, shout out all our listeners, shout out the Bulls fans, and yeah, we're uh, we're excited to see where this team goes, and we're excited to continue bringing you some more shows. And uh, yeah, appreciate the uh, fifty thousand downloads. That is really that's really awesome. So again, we appreciate you guys for that. Uh, so that wraps up this week's Bulls Gold here on Nothing But Net Radio, part of Dash Radio. As always, you can find us every Tuesday morning right here, nine eight Central. And if you missed any past shows, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. And we'll be back next week. So for Salim Sudawala, I'm Edward Shuler. This has been Bulls Gold, and we will catch you next time, Bulls fans. Peace.